Hey, it's Troy from ZAComics.com, and I have another special guest. You probably remember him from our previous reviews of this book right here. Uh, here comes Calico. We got H.H. German there. Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, Troy. Hey, audience. Thank you so much for having us on again. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. We're very excited here to talk about issue five. Yeah, no doubt. And that just uh, that was kickstarted uh, successfully just recently. Right. So. Right. Um, and I got you, you graciously sent me a copy to the preview and wow, when you <laughs> told me at Fan Expo Denver, that's what all was going to be going on in this book. And I, <laughs> I, I kind of believed you, but I, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I, I got to see there's no way, but wow, this one really, really delivered quite a bit. Right. I was, listen, we don't mince words. Well, you should know by now, Troy, that, you know, when we, uh, <laughs> We say something, we can back it up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, you know, this is issue five, and it says of eight. Right. I'm still, I, I don't, you've introduced a couple new characters again. Right. I don't know how you're going to tie it up in eight issues. We're we're giving us, we're giving ourselves lots of work, but we, we're loving every minute of it. And uh, we have some good news that we're going to be sharing on this stream. And before I do uh, share that, I just want to again thank uh, Zia Comics because, and recognize Zia Comics because Zia Comics was certainly the first uh, platform that recognized the the potency of this title. I mean, this is you know this is without being um, you know uh, involved with the company. I say this is is just a fan of comics. This is an incredibly potent and, and uh, powerful title that uh, not only has significance for, you know, the, the cause that we're, we're, we're fighting, uh, but the, the quality of this, the, the team here is just top notch. You know, we, we work extremely hard on this and you can see when a team is truly involved passionately with a project, everybody brings out their best and that's exactly what's happening here. It's a great, it's a great uh, comic book series. And Zia Comics was really the first one to give us the platform, and we appreciate it. Yeah, well, we thank you for allowing us to uh, have these copies to preview. Um, I, like I said, I just the the team. I know you 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 just had an artist change not long ago, but right, I, he he fits right in with the previous one. So you, it didn't. I didn't even notice honestly that the artist had changed. Right. Um, and both both artists, what I've noticed so far, they like almost like they like put little Easter eggs in the background. When you read it, don't just read it, you know, and go to the next panel. I, I have to read it. And then I look around the panel, around the edges and areas yes. to see if there's anything hidden in there because yes. I mean, there's not a lot of them, but when there is yep. one in there, you're just like, Oh, okay. Yep. That's, that's key. You know, it's funny. I'm going to actually talk about this for a second. Uh, that was imperative. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Um, it sounds like we've been through a, 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 a few battles together with with how emotional the series is. <laughs> yeah, with, with, with this book, it, it is an emotional battle. Right. Tell you. Yeah. It sounds like we. It almost feels like we've known each other for years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's actually been a, a little over, I guess, a year and a half. But um, right. Let me tell you that um, when we sat down with the team initially, before we even laid a pencil on paper, I made it clear to all, the the entire team that we wanted to have New York City be the accomplice of Hector 
And when you have that kind of situation, you are going to absolutely have Easter eggs all, all over the place. In this title, issue five, there are, in fact, Easter eggs, uh, most of which are um, uh, sort of, um, how do you call them? Like uh, hidden, hidden meaning. So only certain yeah. individuals are really going to know. Uh, but I'm going to share one with you right now. All right. And this is even before we get into the, talking about the comic. So when I was in high school, I went to an all boys school uh, in in Westchester, which is just north of the city here in, in uh, New York. And uh, we our little squad, we called ourselves Deep Six. And we were all a bunch of, you know, fighters, you know, rough guys, whatever. And you will see that Deep Six graffitied on Kingman's building at the top. Well, so there's Easter eggs that we don't even know about that are just yeah. hurting it to you guys. Yeah. Ah. Right. There's a bunch of fans of, of Here Comes Calico that are from the 90s uh, high school uh, that I went to that love the comic book because they're they're rough and tumble guys just like Hector. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So and so the city's almost like a character in itself. That's right. And you but that was intentional. That was intentional. And if you see um it, it is not excuse me it's not directly conveyed in the comic book but it's certainly implied that uh kingman our favorite character of course is of irish descent and he of course is from woodlawn which is a very uh irish area in the bronx so you even have people talking with the brogue the irish brogue in that neighborhood so yeah. yeah, if Kingman doesn't get a spinoff out of this, then you're missing the boat. <laughs> yeah, we've so we've we've actually discussed this, but but we're not we don't want to put ourselves too ahead of the uh, the cart here. We we just want to make sure we put out the first volume is t solid from top to bottom, and uh, you know we actually just got a, a really great review um, by one of those other uh, very important uh, reviewers uh, for comic books. But, you know, that's that's for another time. You know, we're on Zia right now and we're yeah. super excited. To talk well, about I, I've, uh, I've read a few other reviews and uh, I've yet to read a, a negative review about Calico. Right. So right. I got to imagine that one. Like you said, that was probably a really good glowing review also. Yeah, especially because this guy doesn't give. I mean, he's a, he's, in my opinion, the toughest. I don't think I've ever seen him give anything over like a six point eight or a seven. And he, we, we received an eight. So uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to, to say his name on here. Sure, if you go ahead. His name is uh, Gabe Hernandez. He's from a, a, a comical, um, I think it's called Comical Illusions. He's from Weird Science. It's one of the yeah. websites that, that cover. So he's a very respected uh, comic book uh, reviewer. So, Well, you got, uh, you got his accolades. So that's, that's saying something. <laughs> Right. Well, we have yours and we, we appreciate that. Like I said, you guys have been uh, with the title from the beginning. So, yeah. Well, so issue five introduces the Jiggler. Tim Alberts, I was getting ready to ask you. Yes. Right, that dude right there. We just, there he is. <laughs> Tim Alberts, the Jiggler. You can't think of a better villain name than the Jiggler. And then he fits the, the description too. So, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, I mean, can you what what can you tell us about the Jiggler? I don't want to give sure. too much. Sure. The Jiggler is uh, a man with serious uh, mental illness. He's a uh, paranoid schizophrenic, and in addition to having that condition, 
which he, he, he doesn't manage well. He's also a, a diabetic. So, uh, and, and his particular, you know, diabetes is, is such a, um, has such a wide range, right? So, so certain diabetics, when they uh, have that low sugar, uh, that actually gets into, aside from the physical effects, that goes into their psyche as well, their emotional state. And of course, the jigglers, as we know, as I just said, he's got paranoid schizophrenia. And he also happens to be a, a very big, large, you know, impressive, physically impressive man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we don't know it yet, but, you know, he has uh, a talent. And his what he does best is move that minigun around, you know? <laughs> yes, yes so, he does. And in his mind, I don't know if we want to disclose it here, but he has a very particular idea of people and, and what they resemble when he's in that uh, diabetic uh, coma. Yeah, it's almost like a catchphrase for him. Right, exactly. That's, you know, again, this is why I love coming here. You are you are spot on on this. That's exactly what what it is. That's his catchphrase, you know. So uh, yeah, he goes um, at it. He, he goes at it pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's another thing. <laughs> uh, I I just have one quick question. You know, many guns aren't cheap, and ammo's right. not cheap. So right, where's he getting the money for this? Or is he just stealing them? Or so he has. Uh, again, it's not disclosed as of yet. But he has, you know, people with manic, with with any kind of manic disorder, they literally do the exact same thing over and over mm -hmm. and over. And that's exactly what happens with with the jiggler. He once he's out, that's the thing. He's got to be out. And, and here's here's how it happens. Right. So whenever he has one of these uh, emotional explosions, he's uncontained. He can't be contained. OK. Now, where is he? He's in a mental institution. OK, so he gets out. Imagine trying to stop a man who's six foot five, you know, 550 pounds, you know. So he gets out of this, these places and he goes right to the, the place where he feels comfort. And in that place is all he needs to get things done. So that's the answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he, get, he gets things that and uh, I mean, Hector ends up I don't, I'm not going to say how, but Hector gets really creative. Yeah, in stopping him <laughs> right. without killing him. Yes, uh, I I loved how he he calmed him down. <laughs> so yeah, right. that, and and that new character. I mean, that's cover and maybe two pages in. Uh, the first page has some gratuitous <laughs> uh, <laughs> sexual um, episode there, but anyway, yeah, you know, second page. It's a big splash page with him, so, right? I mean, and uh, so you get that's an, another character that you you're adding in to the right, book. and an important one. So he's gonna he's not done, even though they're carting no. him off. He he's coming no. back. I mean, listen, you can't just look at him. I mean, he's he's we got a cover feature, you know. So they need something, to, something like that. You got to bring the big gun, big guns. So yeah, you they know, need to raise like his sugar a little bit, right? <laughs> Listen, as you mentioned, uh, we have a lot on the table that Hector is going to be dealing with pretty soon. And uh, he's going to need, uh, th let's just say that uh, there's a lot of resources here involved. So that's, we'll keep it to that. So, yeah, I mean, there's no sooner than they got Jiggler under control, they 
they throw Mr. Feng at you. <laughs> right. And uh, I mean, I'm sure him and his son are going to be big. Right. Later on, because they're one of the bigger abusers from what I right. can understand. Right. I mean, listen, we finally see Claw's face. So, you know, Claw, you see the reason why, you know, we introduce the watch first, you know, when he gets out of the car. That was by design. Right. So the first thing we see of Claw right in the first page of issue one is his watch. It's a very distinct watch. And, yeah. uh, you know, eventually, I think it was in, in uh, issue three, we do see his face on a on a picture frame. And then, of course, we finally see him in the comic book, and that's Mr. Fang. Fang is uh, running a basically a front in the United States, uh, and that's how he—that's why his son's here because his son's managing the front. So you know, his son's only 19, 20 years old, who's addicted to you know retro video games and and whatnot. He he gets a little visit in issue four. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty big visit. Yeah, so yeah. I mean that's more of, of like the Easter eggs I was telling you about or asking yeah. about. You know, you got the, you said the watch and then the little picture frame and everything. And right. I, I didn't realize until you said that. So yeah, that's the same face from the picture frame. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are the things that we. There's a lot of um, so forward thinking involved. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and and that takes a little bit of forethought. That has to be planned out. Right. Um. Wow. So yeah. We've got, you know, Hector's getting closer and closer to Claw. Right. And he just, uh, I think last issue, didn't he just get his head pounded in by, not no pun intended, by Pound? <laughs> right, Pound, yeah. So, pound uh, was surprising uh, because you have to understand that up until now, Hector's been doing this for eight years. Okay, so he's been wearing the calico suit. And the calico suit is on uh, version 12, right? So we're, we're coming into the story with Hector having eight years experience of being the Calico. And really no one knows about him um, until the previous issue, which is when you meet ODB and uh, ODB is saying, hey, we finally got this guy. And that's because the scrambling technology on Bumble had some, had some issues. Okay, and it happened only twice in eight years. And they finally have captured video of what Calico looks like on one of ODB's many real estate properties on the roof. You can see that he says they finally got a picture of him jumping off a roof and they got one of him running down the hall, uh, uh, an alleyway, and they could make him barely make him out. So uh, the first time that they actually see Calico in person is an issue three at the very end when calico's making his escape after having fed the dog uh fight ringleader to the two pit rabid pit bulls you know and he makes his escape and there's two guys who are there to collect the winnings uh, all right for the the uh maxim corporation that's odb's you know company and those two guys they look up and say oh, there's the guy that, that's on the video he's like a cat guy he's dressed in a cat outfit and they see him in person. That's the first time they spot him. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not ODB from Wu-Tang Clan. This is a different <laughs> a different ODB guy. Same no, initial, the one, different guy. Right. Yeah. The $1 boss. The $1 yep. boss. And that's going to have a big significance as well in this. That's going to have a huge impact of why they call him the $1 <laughs> boss. You know, so 
you know there's That's only three uh, issues left right right and, <laughs> and the last one this is you know troy knows this because i told him this in person at one of, of the com comic book conventions but the the uh, audience is going to learn this for the first time on your show so issue eight which is the last issue of the series is going to be a special feature double issue so it's going to have uh, double the pages and uh, it's going to be you're it's going to pass a while <laughs> you're going to need every one of those pages <laughs> oh yeah that is for sure trust me we're going to tie it up and it's not going to be rushed and forced it's going to be paced as uh, deliberately carefully as as it has been in, in uh, up to date so we want to make sure that uh, when we proceed with volume two everything is in order for a good story well I, speaking of i just realized this speaking of easter eggs i'm going i'm not going to give it away but i'm going to tell people to pay attention the title of this one is pay the milkman <laughs> pay attention toward the end and you'll find out that that has more meaning than what you think uh, <laughs> and, the way he and Troy, you can you can you can share some pages you know uh certainly if oh, you I, like. I want these guys to be surprised like i was <laughs> i don't want to spoil that uh so, yeah, I mean, he's uh you know hector's closing like you say closing in on claw right uh, he's got a couple leads and the one dude is uh you're gonna he's gonna let you know what pay the milkman means Right, right. Uh, we got another Kingman appearance. Kingman and his bodyguard, their gong. Right. Uh, scaring the crap out of some street level thugs. <laughs> they have one for them. And uh, I mean, you don't typically, you know, when when you think, and for people who haven't seen the other reviews, Kingman is, uh, he's got Down syndrome. Right. He's also a really very feared uh, crime lord there right. in New York right. City. Right. And I think most of his operatives he has working with him have uh, um, not maybe maybe not Down syndrome, but they all have some type of. Um, no, you're right. I don't I don't know how to say it, but they all have some type of. It's not an ailment, but they have some kind of uh, issue. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Running right. the underground of the city. Right. Kingman is an incredible character because, as you pointed out, he does have Down syndrome. I mean, Kingman is is severely disadvantaged in, in many ways. Not only does he have Down syndrome, he's also a little tiny little guy. Okay, in in a in a space that requires you to be, you know, a tough guy, right? So he has a lot to make up in terms of uh, you know aesthetics and uh, you know f execution. But he he makes it up in spades because of his uh, ferocity, and and it's a calculated ferocity. He's not someone who is obnoxious in any way. He's very calculated. He's very deliberate. Uh, he's he's a he's a he's a he's a remarkable fellow. Very cunning is what he is. Yeah. And, usually, when you see people with Down syndrome portrayed, they always have they they throw them in like a sympathetic role or a right. role where they're just happy go lucky. Right. You, you turn that on its head, man. This, this guy, <laughs> not sympathetic. He is ruthless. Uh, he had, right. like you said, he's very calculated in what he's doing. Right. And there's a reason why he's a crime lord. Right. And there's a reason why he does the things that he does. You pointed out that he's got one of the uh, one of the two uh, 
Latin fellows that Hector looks over there at the hardware store, you know, in a in a precarious situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's because of the way he he is. That's the kind of vibe he gives off. And he, you know, mind you, these are these aren't two pushovers. Even though in Hector's eyes, you know, Hector, uh, Flacco and Primo are the two <laughs> Latin. Uh, they're like in their early twenties. They're like twenty one, twenty two. They look up to Hector. They know him from the neighborhood, and of course, you have to understand in any hood, <clears throat> which of course, yeah, Hector's from the hood, uh, from the Bronx originally. Uh, you you become a legend. You have legendary status when you have any success in crime. Okay, the hood is, an, is a remarkable place, Troy, because uh, you have athletes who are stars. Okay, and you have criminals that become stars in the underground on the streets. If you're if you're from the Bronx, the South Bronx. And you've gotten away with being a burglar for years and you're a decorated one to the point where actual uh, criminal kingpins respect you for what you do. You're you're a, a legend. And that's what Hector is on the street to, to street people. They whenever that's why you never really see him too much on the street, because they they call him out. Hey, Hector. And he doesn't want that anymore. He's trying to hit the point. It, the point of the story and where we see Hector now is he's removed from it. He's actually moved from the neighborhood. And you see in this issue, uh, this is why, yeah, why I love speaking with you about this, because little nuggets are, are shared. Kingman is actually surprised by Hector, by uh, Flacco and Primo that Hector doesn't even live in, in the Bronx anymore. He was assuming, remember the last time we see Kingman, uh, we see uh, Mean Gene. I'm sorry, I mentioned... Yeah. Kingman, it's Mean Gene. The last time we see Mean Gene, who is a, a very pivotal character as well in, in the series, uh, he meets uh, Hector in Woodlawn outside of, uh, yeah. you know, Kingman's place. So he's, we see him again in this issue, and he's surprised that Hector doesn't live in the Bronx. He assumed, he, you know, Hector was in the Bronx because, you know, he lives there. But that's that's just not the case. So there's a lot of, you know, again, the part of the story where we're here, Hector is trying to get that part of his life over with and he's eight years into this and you know he's he's just in a different place he's not trying to commit crimes at least those types of crimes you know burglary so in, in his mind he rationalizes that what he's doing is not crime he's getting rid of people who are abusing and killing animals and uh that's there's nothing better than that and the validation comes with the group that affirms and not only affirms it, but lit- literally validates him as a person and his views by giving him this assignment as the Calico. Yeah, and, and that was my question. He um, He's pretty sure of himself that he is the only Calico operative. Um, and that, that always striked me as kind of being a little, I don't, maybe not arrogant, but I mean... Um, I, and you probably can't tell me. I'm wondering, are there other Hectors out there running for this organization? You know, I can't. You know, I can't disclose that. All I can tell you, all I can tell you, is that, you know, this is. Remember what the scout says. Scout is the, you know, very attractive uh, uh, scouting agent for the fourth, the fourth order of uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, who is, of course, the patron saint of animals. Uh, you know, the the order had three orders that we know of uh, historically. And of course, this organization calls itself the unofficial fourth. 
<clears throat> although they run in a very different fashion. So um, Scout makes it clear that, uh, you know, he is to abide by certain rules in the organization and that, you know, certain people, you know, this, this is a board that assesses what happens. So uh, we are going to, let's just say in the, in the final issue, we're going to get more information about that. And certainly enough to say, satiate your uh, your inquiry. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see uh, Calico Phase 2, I guess, working with uh, other animal-themed agents, maybe. Um, and I, and like I, I know you can't tell me. I don't know. That's just me thinking outside the box here. Um, right. <laughs> so then we go on. We, get, we find out more about Pound. Uh, right. I mean, because he, he was just kind of introduced, just thrown in our face. Here's this dude who's just beating the snot out of Hector. Right. Um, and we find out a little bit more about him in this issue also about his right. or kind of his origin. Right. So what can you tell me about Pound without ruining it too much for people? Well, yeah. Pound is basically a, a Frankenstein monster. He's a zombie. Technically, he's a zombie AI, right? So he's, he is technically uh, deceased, but <clears throat> he's quite alive by the character that's introduced here in, in uh, issue five, Dr. A, Dr. Ogtar. Okay, Dr. Ogtar is a scientific uh, genius um, who has been working on experiments for, you know, generations, for, for decades and generations. And he's finally, his chipset, it's called the Ogtar chipset, one chipset is at a point now where it can not only uh, animate dead tissue, but it can literally uh, create an active, a very active and effective uh, being to affect, in this case, the wants and needs of the Maxim Corporation. And Stash is really the brains behind the Maxim Corporation, right? So. Uh, we 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 know now and at the end of um, issue uh, four that New York City is basically run by two two kingpins, and that's ODB the one dollar boss and Stash, okay those two guys, and uh, <clears throat> they have different methods, but as you, of course you also see in, in issue five in a pretty big way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah. uh, Stash is more, way more calculating than older, you know, uh, I was going to call him Old Dirty Bastard, uh, <laughs> than One Dirty, One Dollar Boss. Uh, both names fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, is, that is very true. <laughs> one Dollar Boss uh, is, I mean, he's just a down and dirty criminal. All right. He, he's, he's like your old school criminal. Is right. It seems like. Absolutely. He's your old school street criminal that is ruthless and he's just going to do the most vulgar things. And it doesn't matter who he'll. In fact, he'll do it on in purpose, uh, oh, on yeah. purpose in front of people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the pound, uh, I, I guess, for people, the best way to explain it is he's kind of like the mountain from right. uh, Game of Thrones after Cersei right. brought him back. Right. It's That's a, exactly right. Big brute that just does their bidding. <laughs> Right, and, and, and he's and very he, good at it. 
Absolutely. And in the case of uh, <clears throat> Game of Thrones, the pounds energy is really created by magic, right? Magic and mysticism and dark arts, whereas here we're using high technology and biology. It's really biotech. It's 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 a <clears throat> it's an incredible fusion of biotech and nanotech, because you you know in order to work at this level you have to work at the cellular level f to animate the way uh, the pound has been animated because he's not just moving he's <laughs> he has intelligent movement so yes yes well science to the uneducated is magic so <laughs> right. absolutely well said well same said. same difference so yeah. Well so then, you know, we get a little more backstory on the pound, <clears throat> but then, I mean, forgive me if I, I don't remember, but, right. uh, you know, we, we find out how Hector makes a little side money there at the end. Right. Uh, after he's done torturing people, <laughs> he takes preferred parts to Lars, the butcher. Lars, the butcher. Yeah. Have we seen this character before? And I just forgot. No, this is a brand new character as well. And Again, that's two new characters <laughs> in this issue. There's, uh, yeah, there's actually th three. Uh, there's the detective as well. Yeah. He's yeah. going to be, he's, he gets all Wow. Right. He's, he's got, you know, because, you know, you're not going to, he can't be allowed to run rampant. Hector, that is, you know, and do all this stuff. Okay, but so uh, yeah, the uh, Lars the Butcher. <clears throat> He's uh, he's the compost, you know. You you have to think about it. Think about Hector, right? He he owns a couple of buildings. You know, when we see Scout, she basically scouts him in the flashback eight years ago, and says, "Listen, <clears throat> uh, you own these buildings here, yet you live like a like a pauper. You don't spend any money. We've been watching you for a while. How is it that a guy who makes, you know, about a quarter million dollars a year?" not you know not at least have some kind of uh, lifestyle that's elevated no the hector's walking he's, he's literally sweeping the street in the south bronx yeah. wearing a wife beater he's got he a big gut. have a pair of jordans <laughs> <laughs> exactly his shoes are from target yeah. you know that he paid 20 bucks for you know if you remember that yeah. and uh you know he's just living a, a pauper lifestyle and it's because he he dedicates every bit of his life to supporting animal rights and welfare and he gives his literally he gives up all his money and they've been <clears throat> watching him for that reason so uh, you know this is what happens when you know you you stand out and the, i guess there's so many factors that can draw uh people to you money is certainly one of them you know we live in in america and you know money talks here and uh you know when you start making a certain amount of money in the case of hector it's not that he was making a lot of money, uh, but what happens is is that behavior is is tracked more readily. So uh, they they were able to do that, and they were looking. They were probably looking for years to fit that role of, of Calico, uh, or that agent at least, that agent. <clears throat> so they found the right person. They did a good job, and you know this is a an order that's very um, covert. So they, they trust me. They they know how to find their guy when they're looking to fit a role. So, so so Hector watched American Gangster and listened to Denzel's uh, words, right? Don't, <laughs> don't show don't show your flash. There you go. 
You know, he's, he's old school, you know, and, and the thing is, in addition to that, he's just trying to do something different. He's trying to live a quiet life. Like I said, we meet him in issue uh, four in the, in the beginning and he's just sweeping, sweeping his block, cognizant of what's going on. He knows that there's people who are doing nefarious things around him, but he's just going to lay low and do his thing. And, and in this case, you know, and to answer your question around roundabout way about Lars, <clears throat> you know, you can take uh, a guy out of the Bronx, but, you know, he's he's still going to find a way to make ends meet. In this case, you know, he lives in, he rents where he lives. So remember, he moved out of the Bronx. There's a reason right. why he moved out is to get out of this, start anew. But he doesn't, he doesn't have that much money that he can, you know, buy a building in, in Brooklyn. So he's, he's uh, renting there and he's got to pay the rent. So some way, if he's not going to steal, you know, he's got to, Got to get his money somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's obviously done this before because everything was cut up nicely and packaged. And uh, <laughs> ooh, yeah, right. uh, are we going to be seeing Lars again? Let's just say Lars is very particular <laughs> about his purchases. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a wish list. <laughs> he was very pleased with this delivery. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, and then after you know, after his visit to Lars, he goes home and uh, he has some landlord issues, and uh, the <laughs> landlord has some daughter issues. Right, right. <laughs> it looks like they both get worked out there at the end. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, th this is issue five. Right. Says right. Oh, wrong finger. Right there. Action pack of eight. I, I, I still. You, like you just told us, you introduced three three new characters in this yep. one. Yep. On top of the already large cast list right. for this series. Yep. Jam packed, um, my friend. We got a lot. That assures you you're gonna get a a volume two and, and a lot of good stuff to come from it. So the only thing I can envision is is issue eight's gonna be like on Anchorman two. Everybody's <laughs> just gonna show up in the park and duke it out. <laughs> well, listen, no no comment on, on anything related to issue eight, other than, you know, we will see some uh informational closure at least with respect to the fourth. Uh okay. there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of movement on that end. Um and uh listen, say what you say about all the characters, but Feng's in the picture and there's three issues, and one of which is gonna be a double issue. So Feng is in the picture right now. Uh so he's you know, all bets are off now. You know, he's in not only is he in the picture, but he's in New York. You know, Claw is in New York. OK, the Eagle has landed and uh, we've got issues six, seven and eight, eight of which is, you know, the double issue. So, you know, he's he's in deep water now. And uh, Hector's out there. Hector is, is also. Uh, Hector is aware. That. Claw is in town. So, you know, Dog Mama, who is another phenomenal, you know, if I were to rank the, you know, my favorites, I would say Kingman is, is at the top. I Like you, I also, Kingman is my favorite character. Uh, then I'd have to put uh, Dog Mama up there because she, she's really the person who ties this, this all together. She's the one who's going out. You know, I always, I always say that there's always a, um, a studious and executive part of everything, you know, the thinking and the doing. When we played video games as kids, all these games came, uh, came, all these games came with manuals. 
Okay, and I was the person, my brother, my younger brother always jokes around with me. Uh, he, he always got to play a lot because whenever the game would come, he's the kind of kid that just come and play the game, just rip it out and put it in the, the system. Right. I would always read the books from cover yeah. to cover, and I enjoyed every bit of it. And then in, only when I became very comfortable with, with everything on there, I finally put the cartridge in and, and started playing. And that's that's what Dog Mom is. You know, she's the person who meticulously works with F.A., Vaughn Anonymous, and gets <clears throat> all of the intricate details that Hector's going to need in order for him to go out and do this. Because remember, this is dangerous work that he's doing. Uh, so he needs to make sure that when he puts on that suit and he goes out there and, and <clears throat> beyond that, uh, he, he's his, his base. You know, if you if you go on uh, RPG uh, traits, right? There's the thief, the warrior, you know, the mage. Right. You know, uh, Calico is is a thief. Okay. And if I were to, if I were to guess at his constitution, his moral base, uh, he's he's in the certainly the chaotic good realm for those D D players out there. So he's definitely going to be more of your Punisher Wolverine type, chaotic good. Uh, so he's a chaotic good thief. For yeah, you D &D the D&D analogy is good. I, I, I like that. Um, and you're right. He's, he's probably thief rogue type. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thief rogue. And for you guys, the, for the younger guys who might have got confused earlier, we used to have cartridges for video games you plug into a console. That's what he was talking about. <laughs> Everything is downloaded, streaming, and right. cartridges. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm surprised I'm not showing me more gray hair here. And I left yeah, my baton right there. Well, that's the only place <laughs> I can grow hair. It won't grow on my head. There you go. <laughs> um, and, and it sounds like um, you you have plans past uh, issue eight for another, uh, I guess, phase two of right. Calico. So right. um, after this ends, that's not that's not the end of this universe. It, no. This shut the door. It's going no. to open many other doors, it sounds like. Yes, it is. I mean, we've gotten to the point now, you know, uh, it's a great entry into what we're doing now as a company to spread the word. So uh, we're doing a lot of comic book conventions. You know, I've already met you. I think yeah. it's that one or two of them I met you at. I think. A couple. Yeah. Uh, where, where are they going to be able to see you next? Uh, we're going to Fanboy Orlando uh, tomorrow. Oh, so, wow. This weekend. So, yeah, we'll be at Fanboy Orlando. That's a three-day show. And then I think our next event, I, I don't know, I think it's Portland at Rose City. Rose City Comic Con, I'm pretty sure. In Portland, yeah, Rose City Comic Con. So we're every weekend we're, we're doing different shows. And, and um, at these shows... We have we did the shows for many reasons, but one of the reasons we did it was for us to test the waters to see what the response was going to be to our series. And it's now unequivocally clear, given that we sell out virtually all of them, that this series most certainly absolutely has legs. And, you know, Troy, I'm going to say one thing as I continue that uh, the the Kickstarters, these crowdfunding efforts are very misleading to the, our audience, because, you know, we, <clears throat> we clear our goals, but not by much, you know, we're, we're not doing the thousands, tens of thousands, some of these other well-known uh, crowdfunding projects, but we always do thankfully clear our goals. Uh, but 
you know, we're walking away with, you know, 150, 180 uh, backers. Well, at every weekend, we're doing between two and 300 sales, you know, every weekend. And that's not one comic book these people are buying. They're buying sets of comics. We're talking about we, we sell out 100 pounds of comics in three days. For a brand new title, especially in indie, small, independent, that's unheard of. And our, our competitors even say it. We have competitors come to our booth statically. Okay, this happens at every show. Not only do they buy our comic book, but they say, hey, you know, I've never seen anything like this. You know, we're, we've been doing this for like decades and your comic book is like, people are buying it like gangbusters. And I'm walking in there and you got to see me rolling in with like a, it's a hundred pounds for the suitcase, but then you got the banners. I'm walking with like 200 pounds of stuff and I leave super light. And uh, it's a great feeling uh, to the ego to know that, you know, I'm part of a, a series that sells like, like hotcakes, you know? And so that's, this is all to say that when you see those uh, crowdfunding numbers and yeah, we do achieve our results. No, we're doing upwards of two and a half, you know, 300 sales per, per uh, show. Yeah. So you're talking two, three day shows and so, you know, some cases four. But we're we're selling out pretty much in all, and, and it's it's incredible to see. Well, I I can attribute that. I, th I think your your deal is twofold. There, you got a a very original story. I mean, how many stories are out there where people are uh, taking action for animals who can't speak for themselves? Right, and, dude. There's so many animal lovers lovers out there that uh, yeah. um yeah. that would they love to see um. And, you know, somebody get their comeuppance for mistreating an animal. Right. That can't defend itself. Exactly. Okay. And, and that's, that's one, one tenet of why I think you're, you're being successful. The other is you actually have very compelling characters in that story. So, right. you know, you got the good story plot line and then you've got characters that are just like, like with Kingman, man, like you, you, you're kind of turning the paradigm on its head. Uh, right. You got Kingman with the, you know, the Down syndrome crime. Right. Body. Right. The little people gang. Yeah. 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 You got Lars, the butcher. You got all these characters. Right. You're just giving them just you're like a dealer, man. You're getting them just a little taste to get them hooked <laughs> you don't see them for two issues. <laughs> it's all it takes. It's yeah, all it takes. Those, those are two reasons why you're selling out every show. Now, if you add in that third one and get the big mass marketing and. um recognition out there right. dude you're it's nothing but up you're gonna explode yeah. and listen uh as part of that third one we're we're positioned to do that because of our price we're we're only 2.99 you know you yes. you, you understand that when you're out, out at these events it's incomparable right you know when you're out at these shows you're paying upwards of five six seven dollars for a comic book and you know, our, our competitors are now looking around and we did this by design again. And we want them to lower their price because we think one of our philosophical stances on comics uh, today is that they're simply not price correct. So even though, yes, the price of paper has doubled, but that's only recently that this has happened. Uh, there was no reason for any uh, comic book publisher, especially Marvel and DC, to be putting out comics at such extremely high exorbitant rates and it's because of their move to the big screen so uh this sigma comics is an effort 
by our company, not only to address a very serious social ill, which is uh, animals being abused, but also, you know, we, we are comic book fans and it is our mission to introduce comics that are affordable so that people can purchase comics again and uh, cultivate the culture. And I'm gonna say this one last thing, <clears throat> and it's relevant to the first piece, which is the animal abuse thing. At our foundation, we are a comic books company. Okay, we're a comic book publisher. Our heart is with animals, and we see this as a vehicle to further the cause that's most important to us, which is the fight against animal abuse. Okay, and that's our charge. You know, our charge is to address the fight against animal abuse through comics. And why through comics? I'm going to tell you why, so your audience understands this. Every study that's ever been done, okay, empirical data shows that <clears throat> pop culture has a direct influence on what's called real culture. Real culture is a social scientific term. It means it is the culture in any given area at any given time. Okay, and, and, and again, studies show that any piece of pop culture, okay, especially when made popular and cultivated by an audience, has a direct impact on real culture. Case in point, uh, the Jeffersons, okay, the Mary Tyler Moore show, Will and Grace. Okay, so our cause is animals. We've created a piece of pop art, pop culture, that we are feeding with wonderful morsels of content creativity that can be backed by a multitude of people and supported by a multitude of people, put it out there in, in the space so that it can have its influence, knowing, again, data-driven, knowing that it will have a positive impact. The more we talk about it, the more we put it out there, the more the product becomes popular, the more it is clear to the populace that abusing animals is a big no-no, and we have to talk about it and that's this is our hat in the fray so that's why we're doing this Troy. that's a very good reason <laughs> yeah, and like you said at 299 um i've self-published a couple of comic books and i know the cost going into that so it's not like you're making money hand over fist because you right you gotta pay artist writer letter right uh, then you gotta go get it printed depending on what quality paper colorist yeah colors yeah uh it's all that stuff you know it adds up adds and, up and then the printing on top of that is is pretty expensive so i oh, mean yeah now I, the paper i, I can't imagine especially yeah paper's gone up since i've done that yeah i can't imagine you, you're making a whole lot off each comic book right um, and you know especially with all the the events you're going to and everything so right and, um and that's why we this is why we give uh free advertising to the charities that we vet to make sure that they are face in front of the audience that's going to be fully supporting of their efforts. It's a wonderful way for all of the organizations, again, that we support to get more support for their organizations. And it makes us feel absolutely great that we're doing this. You know, again, we're not, as you pointed out, we're not making, you know, money on this. This is a, it's absolutely a 100% charitable from the heart effort. Yeah. And that's why we're so passionate about it. You know, my mother always says, um, you could taste passion, you know, in, in her case, you know, in the, in the kitchen, but in our case, you know, through the quality of our comics. So if somebody wants to, uh, they get hooked up with you guys, you know, uh, buy directly from you and everything, where can they find you online or where can they find you in person? Sigma comics, 
Sigmacomics.com, as always, Sigma, Sigmacomics.com. That's the best place to get our comics. Issue five, I'm now proud to say, is live on Sigmacomics.com. So your audience can go right there and pay $2.99, as low as $2.99 for a print reader subscription. If you want to download, if you want to access uh, issue five digitally, we have our digital dashboard section. You just have to create an account. And there you'll be able to buy as many uh, of our issues as you'd like. We're up to issue five. And issue five, of course, is also available for download for only $1.99. And if you get a subscription, a digital subscription, it comes out to only $1.50, $1.50. So it's, it's a really a wonderful deal. And that's what we're all about. We, we're all about making comic books affordable and accessible to everyone, uh, as long as you're over 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, there's a... <laughs> There's some adult uh, stuff in there, uh, right. here, here and there, a couple of places. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed. And, okay. and we have our, our next Kickstarter will be out. That was my question. question. <laughs> so uh, the Kickstarter for number six is going to be uh, pushed out, I'm sure, on Sigma Comics. Everybody will see it. Yes. And uh, we'll see how many more new characters are going to throw in the mix. <laughs> tie up in, in, you know, a couple more issues. Yes, we we uh, we're, we're quite prolific in our character creation, but you know what? We want to we get we want to give that universe a wonderful grit and, and detail. So uh, we we believe in making sure that there's a a well encompassed and, and uh, established universe, so that uh, Calico can run around and do his create his chaos. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, all you animal lovers out there, you need to pick up. Calico, if you're not an animal lover, we're sending Hector over to talk to you, and uh, it, I, I can't wait for the next one. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Wanda, Wanda, thank you for taking time out. Uh, I know you're busy traveling all the time. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to tell us a little bit about the Calico universe and uh, some of the stuff we might be expecting here in the future. Thank you, Troy, as always, for having us on. And just one last thing to your audience, everyone who's watching the stream, get out there, get on sigmacomics.com and get your get your issue, whether it's printed or digital. We appreciate your support, and so do the animals. Sigmacomics.com. You heard him. Go get that. Uh, go there, get your subscriptions, so you don't uh, and and back these kickstarters, man, so he can keep going. Because I need to see eight. I need to see that ending. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks again, HH. Thank you.